Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. have a Bible and you want to turn to a specific place, you can do that in Matthew chapter 6. That's just one place that we're going to land, although there are many places. My title is called Focus, Pressing In Through Fasting and Prayer. Let's go ahead and pray as we open the Word of God together. Father, we do thank you for your Word. It is your Word that instructs us and leads us. Your word gives us hope. It builds a foundation underneath us that we can build what you call us to build, to advance your kingdom for your glory. We thank you for all that you have done in and through our lives. Now we pray, God, as we set our hearts to press in through fasting and prayer, we ask that you would give us the grace to fast. We're not trying to somehow just um, grit our teeth and and try to not eat or somehow just live in a discipline, what we really are asking for is your presence and for your power and for your person. We desire to know you intimately and deeply, but as a church, God, we want to come together and see the breakthrough that you're calling us to walk out in this specific moment. We have never been here before, and God, we are asking for something special, what you want to have happen. We want that. So reveal it to us and empower us to walk it out together, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Focus is what we are talking about. And as I shared with you, and I want to continue to share this with you, it was just maybe a month ago that the Lord put it on my heart to initiate a time of fasting and prayer for us. And things move so quickly right now that I just had to install that. Now, we're halfway in, and I'm not going to ask you how you're doing. What I am going to ask you is how this next week is going to be, because for me personally, I am actually pressing into this next week like never before. I believe that's the burden that the Lord gave me, and it's why I brought this concept to you, because this is the word that kept coming to my mind, focus, focus, focus. As I thought about what fasting is, fasting is not trying to prove anything to God. And I'm going to explain a lot of this. Fasting is about focusing. And that's the word that came to my heart. You know, when something's blurry, I don't know if you've ever tried to take pictures, but it's blurry at first. And with the iPhone, you kind of got to press the middle or the person or the thing that you're trying to get the picture of. It's kind of funny to watch people do it. If you have a really nice, expensive camera, there's a whole nother way of doing that that I will not try to explain to you because I have no clue what that's like. I just have a phone and, and a camera on my phone. But when something's blurry and you take a picture, what do you do? You take another picture and you focus that in, right? I believe we're in a season of time where there's so much causing distortion. There's so much blurry. And what God is doing is he's calling us to focus in. And the way that we do that biblically is fasting and prayer. And we're going to see that very, very clearly. And I want us to position and posture our hearts so that what God is saying to us during this season is not blurry. I respect the views. There are many views, many opinions during this time. I respect, uh, I respect each one as we're walking through this together, but we have to have a unified front. There are some things that we really have to be united about. They cannot be blurry during this time as we continue to do what God has called us to do. And we see fasting and prayer all throughout Scripture. In fact, almost every time you see fasting, I would say you always see prayer accompanying a fast. Not necessarily the other way around. There, are, there is a lot of prayer without fasting, but there really isn't fasting without prayer. And we see this all throughout the scriptures. And I know that it's not necessarily something popular that's taught all the time today. In fact, when you say the word fast in church, sometimes there's a little bit of a cringe. Now, I'm not indicting you or blaming you or, or, or thinking that's your thing, but I can honestly tell you I've preached on fasting and prayer many times, and there is a little bit of cringe. Sometimes there's actually a dismissal. That's 
pretty awesome, Pastor Ben, that you're doing that. It's an automatic. I'm glad, Pastor Ben, that you are doing that. But what we've got to realize is there is such a thing as fasting before God as an individual, but the scriptures actually teach us and call us to corporate fast, and we're going to see it again and again and again throughout the scriptures. But that's what I believe fasting is for. It's to focus on the Lord. It's to implement more time with him specifically. It's to gather together in this united focus of seeking God and doing that together. I don't want us to cringe. I don't want us to somehow think that this isn't for us. I want us to know this is for all of us. I, when I was younger in the Lord, maybe the first or second year that I met Jesus, I came to Christ at 19 and I got hooked up with a radical group of followers of Christ, okay? I didn't, I didn't get introduced to the people that wanted to go to the bar every night and say, yeah, Jesus is good. You know, I'm not, <laughs> no laughs. All right, so I'm not saying that those people exist, but I didn't go to that type of place. I somehow got connected to people that were utterly radical, like they wanted to pray for like hours They wanted to go share the gospel like everywhere that we went. So we were doing that. We were going to like the bowling alley. I didn't like bowling, but we would go wherever we could where there were people and we would share the gospel and they started talking about fasting. And I saw that this is what they did. They would fast and they would pray for hours and the results that you could see in their life were biblical and I wanted what they had and part of how they had what they had, was not twisting God's arm, but it was focusing on him. It was Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. They were seeking God. In fact, you see the same thing. I believe it's in Hebrews 11.6. And I want to share with you that as we fast and pray, there is a reward for us in that God will respond to us. This is what it says in Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And listen to this, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Be sure of this, that as we seek God, he will reward us. What does he reward us with? I'll tell you one thing we're asking for is his presence. We're asking for his power. We're asking for the clarity of his voice. He will reward us with that which we seek. And, th- and we are seeking him. That is absolutely certain. Well, what is a fast? And this is my definition. I'll give you two. I'll give you a simple one, and then I'll give you a basic one. Here's a, a definition of a fast. It's when a group or individual abstain from food for a time in order to seek God through prayer. More simply put, to abstain from food for spiritual purposes. I believe it was Derek Prince who actually said that, but this is to abstain. Now, sometimes people will say, well, hey, I woke up and I didn't eat until dinner. Do you think that I was fasting? And I would say no, because fasting is intentional. Fasting is specific. Now, it's great that you didn't feel the need to eat up until dinner. I think that's a wonderful thing, most likely for all of us. I could lose a few calories, but the reality is, is that's not what fasting truly is. Fasting is intentional. Fasting is specific. Fasting is when we're laying hold of God, whether we do that as an individual or we do that as a group. And fasting is about its abstaining from food. Now, I'm going to talk to you about other ways that you can fast, but primarily, biblically speaking, fasting has always been abstaining from food. I know we're introducing different concepts because medically not everybody can just let go of food. But if that's not the case for you, then I would encourage you strongly to stay within what we see biblically speaking. There's about 70 verses that reference fasting in both the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament Hebrew word for fast can literally mean to cover the mouth. So we obviously know what that's referencing, don't we? And the New Testament Greek word for fast simply means to abstain, and it was always connected to food. In the Old Testament, this is Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 31, Israel was required to fast on the Day of Atonement and also other occasions as well. Yom Kippur, the Orthodox Jew, still does fast at at minimum once a year. In fact, Yahweh only demanded fasting one time per year. But what you see throughout the scriptures is the people of God would fast at very specific times. And there were reasons that they did it, which we will go through tonight. 
but there was at least one day a year. And church history also points out that the early church fasted again and again and again. In fact, I've, I don't know if you've read anything from John Wesley before, but before Pastor Steve Shell left, he gave me one of Wesley's books or a book that references and talks about Wesley. It's a biography, so to speak. But I've read some of Charles Spurgeon and Wesley and others, some of the great revivalists, people that I look up to or look back to, I should say. And as I read about them, one of the interesting things to note about John Wesley is he would never ordain someone to the ministry unless they fasted two days a week. I just want you to think about that for a second. I don't know how many pastors that they had, but it was what the Methodist movement started with was a movement of prayer and fasting. He also was noted to say that he didn't, he didn't think a pastor should spend less than four hours with God a day, but there's that. I mean, I don't know if you call that legalism or not, but that's just how they were. They believed so much in seeking God through prayer and fasting because this is literally what they connected their fruitfulness to is just putting themselves before God. And so here's what we see. Fasting on one hand is to abstain, but on the other hand, as we'll look at these passages tonight, we're going to see that it is also increasing in our time of focusing on God and seeking him through prayer. But here's what fasting is not. Fasting is not a divine diet. Fasting is not a cure for every problem that we have. Fasting is not a substitute for giving or loving or serving or praying. It certainly can accompany all that, but but what we're not saying is that fasting somehow gets us out of all of the other Christian principles and practices. That's not what we're talking about. Fasting doesn't change God necessarily, but it most certainly will change us. I believe a lot of what fasting before God will do is it will prepare our hearts. It will clear our minds so that we can hear the voice of God. I mean, there's an interesting verse in the Bible in the book of James. You have not because you ask not. He's talking about prayer. But when you do ask, you waste it on selfish pleasures. That's one translation would say that. In other words, when you ask, you're asking for something that God won't answer. Something that fasting will do is it will prune and it will cleanse our minds and our hearts so that our prayers will be accurate in line with what God is actually calling us into as his people. This is so important for us to understand. So Fasting doesn't necessarily change God because sometimes our prayers and our posture is not in alignment, and so God wants to change that. And as we position ourselves in fasting, we will find that we will line right up with the Lord because we'll be hearing him more clearly. Fasting is not for the strong, it's for the weak because we seriously need God. Sometimes we think of spiritual giants and we're like, they're so good at fasting and prayer. Well, maybe that's true, but it's not for the strong. It's for the weak. It's for those of us that know we need the Lord. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know you need God? And this is a way to draw ourselves into him. This is our way to press into him biblically. I know it's not necessarily something that gets talked about all the time, but it's a discipline that not only do we see in Scripture, but we see it in the early church as well. And God is calling us to practice this very thing because we will find an intimacy with him in the midst of it. Fasting is not about what I can get out of it. It's about focusing on God's will. It's about posturing ourselves. And I love that. I love that God has ordained something, scripturally speaking, for us to just recalibrate ourselves to him. And that's what this is. And I think it's important that sometimes in the midst of what we face and what we go through, there actually is a biblical paradigm. There is a biblical posture for us to take. And the people of God, in order for us to receive, sometimes we've got to prune. In order for us to receive from the Lord, we've got to block out and focus in. This is what has to happen Otherwise, we're just trying to take it all in. What is that, God? What is that? You know, we've got to declutter in order to simplify. There's many purposes of fasting, but I want to bring you through four of them from Scripture, and I think these will really help us as we press in and focus together. The first one is we, we fast in response to Jesus. This, in fact, is probably the most important, obviously, because we see this is what Jesus himself has called us to. Unless we think this is an old covenant principle alone, it is not. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, I told you to turn there. And this is what Jesus said. He said, whenever you fast, 
Do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. He just right up front says, when you fast, not if, but when you fast, don't do it for people. Now that's a pretty sound principle. Don't you agree with that? Don't do it so that other people think you're spiritual. When you do it, Make sure that you go out of your way not to be noticed. Look what he says. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Remember what we just read in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Those who seek God, he will reward those. He rewards those who seek him. But if we're seeking something else in our fasting, we'll we'll get that. Our reward will happen in full. People will know that we think highly of ourselves or we think we're very spiritual or whatever it may be. As you can see from this passage, Jesus talks about whenever you fast, which implies that we do and that we will. Pastor Ben, are you imposing this on me? No. Ladies and gentlemen, I know full and well I cannot control you, nor will I try. In fact, that sounds daunting to me. The idea that I would ever try to control another individual. Look, people, I've got children. I know I can't control people, not even the smallest among us. I'm terrible at it. I hope I'm a good example, but I know I can't control people. I'm not imposing. I'm inviting. Whenever you fast, Jesus implies this, but he only does so for those that have ears to hear. And yes, I am saying this is what he wants for us. It is a sacrifice to deny ourselves food. It is a sacrifice to deny ourselves of anything. But that's what we do in order to place God right in front of us, and it's what we must do. In fact, this portion of Scripture is devoted to the practicing of righteousness and not doing so improperly. And the elements were giving, praying, and fasting, and these three were talked about together. The things that he's talking about are practicing righteousness It's giving, it's praying and fasting. These three is how we practice righteousness, the right ways of God. It's not about being right. It's about being righteous. And being righteous means that we have a practice in our lives before God and not just before others. Let me say that again. Being righteous is not about being right in the eyes of others. It's not about winning arguments. It's about being righteous before God. It's about posturing our hearts before God. And he has told us what it looks like before him to practice righteousness. It's about giving, it's about praying, and it's about fasting. He talks about It's something that we have in the secret place. Now, I I want to say this very clearly because there is a place for us to fast as individuals, but the Bible also calls us to corporate fasting, corporate fasting. This isn't Jesus saying, don't ever tell anybody that you're fasting because you're going to lose your reward. He's saying, don't boast about it. There's a difference. Every now and again, somebody will somebody will try to go out to lunch with someone. This is probably pre-COVID of course, but I try to go out to lunch with somebody and they're trying to beat around the bush and not tell me that they're fasting. (laughs) No, it's like, I don't want to lose my reward. So I can't tell you that I'm not eating on Wednesdays, you know, but I'm just having this five minute beat around the bush conversation. And I'm not sure why this person is just not being straight with me. It's like, do you just not want to go out to lunch with me? Am I that terrible? I wore a coat for you. What's the deal? And it's not that. It's that we have this weird version of this verse. We think that we can't tell anybody. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that there are people in their culture and in their day and probably in ours who are boasting about what they're doing and it's not before God, but it actually is. What they want from it is they want other people to think that they're spiritual. I want to do something so that you think something. That's that's the whole goal of their spirituality. And God is saying through Jesus, that's not spirituality. You're doing something for people and you'll get from people what they'll give to you. But that's all. But if you do it before God, oh man, it says God rewards you openly in the secret place. But no, I mean, if I'm fasting on Wednesdays and I'll talk to you about my practice, 
it's, it's not about, I mean, I don't mind telling you. Yeah, I, I'm fasting today, so I won't be eating. So when I'm with someone or if I go out with someone, I say, hey, I'm, I'm fasting today, I can't eat. But I can drink ice water with lemon. So I'm going to get the biggest ice water with lemon that I can get, and you're going to eat right in front of me. You're going to eat as much food as you can right in front of me. I don't care. But I'd rather just go to Starbucks if you don't mind. So I'm just putting it out there. Did you know that Jesus fasted the beginning of his ministry throughout his ministry? He started his ministry, actually, after he was baptized in water and baptized with the Holy Spirit, there was an open heavens. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove, and he went, he went out into the wilderness. He fasted, and he prayed 40 days and 40 nights. Did you know that Jesus fasted? How much more do we need to fast if Jesus fasted? Sometimes there's this idea that Christians don't need to fast anymore. But look at what Mark chapter 2 and verse 18 says. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and they came to Jesus and they said, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't? So when Jesus was alive, walking with his disciples, they didn't fast. Not with him. Not that, he didn't call them to that at that time. And Jesus said to them, while the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Isn't that an interesting passage? Jesus is saying that the burden of his disciples who walked with him physically, while Jesus fasted, the burden on the disciples wasn't there to fast and pray. In the way in which he says, when the bridegroom is no longer with them, they will fast. What does that say? We are not fasting necessarily just for God to do something, but we are fasting for his presence. In our eschatology of Jesus coming back, we know that, that he is in the heavens retained until times of refreshing would come from the Lord, Acts chapter 2. And so we are longing for and we are crying out for his return. And as we do that, there is something about fasting and praying before God. There's something about seeking him while we know that his return is imminent. So this is one of the reasons that we fast. It's in response to Jesus and his teaching. The second reason that we fast is to humble ourselves before God. You know, pride is not just the devil's sin, but it is very often our sin as well. And I, I think that pride has been, is being manifested in so many of us. And I'll just admit it. I have seen pride lurking in my heart throughout this last five or six months. I would like to tell you that I have none. I would like to stand on a stage and act like pride has never been my sin, but that has not been the case. I notice when I'm trying to build cases against this and I'm trying to just drum up some kind of lawyer case on this, there's something in my mind and my heart that lurks in there trying to protect myself, defend myself, be right. And I just told you it's not about being right, it's about being righteous. It's about humbling ourselves before God. You know, when you stand in the presence of the Lord, you just cannot be prideful when you know that you're in his presence. I mean, maybe you could be, I can't. I just, it's like your heart just melts. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like some, your heart sensitizes in his presence. As we're drawn to him in worship, you notice that something special will happen as you just start to focus on him and you start to say, you are faithful. Something that comes out of my mouth when I worship the Lord, you are patient with me. You ever thought about the patience and the forbearance of God for you? You are patient with me and my complaining. And even if the argument doesn't leave, it doesn't leave out of my mouth, it's still in my heart and you see it. You're omniscient. You know everything about me. You know everything about us and you're patient and you're loving and you're faithful even though I'm not always faithful. Sometimes I'm faithless and you're faithful and you start to look at God and you start to declare who God is and something starts to change in us. Doesn't it happen? It happens to me when I start to think about his mercy and his loving kindness, who he is and what he's like in worship in particular, something shifts in me and humility actually starts to happen. I start to humble myself before God. I'll tell you what, when you fast, it is in one sense humbling yourself before God. In fact, it's a God-ordained way of doing that and putting our pride away. 
putting our pride away? Have you noticed anything lurking in you recently? Anger, bitterness. Have you noticed, felt it in your heart? Have you, have you noticed that I'm just trying to be right? I'm just trying to prove myself. Is there anything like that in you? Don't tell me, don't admit it to me, but admit it to yourself and stand in his presence and tell him what's in your heart. Do you want that to be there? Friend, you know what we can do together? We can humble ourselves before the Lord. We can humble ourselves before the Lord. And we need to, and we do this by fasting. Especially in difficult times, we tend to go to our thoughts and our feelings and our opinions instead of God's word, instead of listening to his Holy Spirit. We need to go to the Lord, and fasting is a way to do that. I don't know if you've read the book of Ezra lately, but in chapter 8, we read of how Ezra was assigned to the task of leading some of the Jewish exiles from Babylon back to Jerusalem. I could go on and on about this story. It's a beautiful story, actually. But there was a very dangerous four-month journey that they were about to embark on. This would be with kids, and they're carrying temple treasury. I mean, it was an extremely, extremely dangerous journey that they were about to embark on. And look what, as, look what said here, Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21. He says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for us, our little ones, and all of our possessions. See, we didn't just go out there and expect that it was going to be all right. We didn't just think, yeah, it's dangerous, but we got this, man. We got this. Pastor Steve, no problems, no muss, no fuss. I'm an avid hiker, man. We got this. No, no. They thought a four-month journey with kids and money we could get hijacked, we could die, anything could happen. They started to realize that they were in a moment where they needed God to come through. And you know what they did? He called a fast for the people. That's exactly what they did because they needed God to watch over them instead of just running out there. How many times, listen, how many times have we just run out there and act like everything's gonna be okay and we shipwreck? God, where were you, God? <laughs> I've never done that before. We just ran out there, you know, and look at this scripture. They didn't just run out there. They knew what they were walking into, and he thought in his mind, we've got to call a fast. We, listen, we've got to call a solemn assembly. We've got to fast together. Pastor Ben, why are you calling a fast? Pastor Ben, why are you calling our church to fast? I love food. I love food. Well, the reason that I'm asking you to abstain from anything is because we need God. I mean, this is not a game. We're, we're in the middle of some very difficult stuff. Anybody agree with me on this? Christians are, are fighting. Christians are fighting. This is not just the government and Christians. This is Christians and Christians. Families are fighting and having tension and problems, difficulties, disagreements. I don't agree about that. Well, this is how I feel about this. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm trying to respect everybody. And in the process, I'm not always getting respected. You ever, you feel, you living in the world I'm living in? Bombarded with misinformation, some information, confusing information. Are you living in the world that I'm living in? Friend, I'm gonna tell you something. This is what the people of God must do. We realize that we are on a journey and we do not have a map for where we're going right now other than to say that we are called to bring the gospel of Jesus to all people and to make disciples. The mission has not changed, but the map is not present as to how that's going to look in the day that we're living in. But God will lead us and as we humble ourselves before God, he will give to you and to me what we need. He says, humble yourself. Humble yourself together as a people. I'm not asking you to humble yourself. I'm saying we. This is me and you. This is us. We need God. I'll tell you, I, there's never been a time in my life, I'm going to be as honest with you as I can, there has never been a time in my life where I have felt this deep need for God every day that I wake up because I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, there are some things I'm built for. Some things I understand, but there's some stuff going on today I have no idea. And if you think I'm an expert, what I know, here's what I do know. I know that God can lead us where we need to go. 
I know that his word doesn't change. I know that the Holy Spirit speaks today. But if all of the clutter is going on and we can't hear or we're not trying to hear, that is, to be, that is concerning to me. So this may not be our first and only fast during this season. This, this, might, just, this might just be the first in a chain of many fasting and prayer initiatives that we do. Are you prepared for that with me? I'm not, I'm not asking you to not eat for two weeks. I don't know what you need to do. There are different ways that we can do this, but we need to join together in this time. And we do that by humbling ourselves before the Lord. The Apostle Paul teaches that worshiping God is offering our physical bodies. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and to, you know this passage, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, offering your physical bodies. I believe fasting is a way of worshiping God by humbling ourselves, humbling ourselves. The third reason we fast, we fast to hear the voice of God more clearly After being baptized, Jesus was led into the wilderness and he fasted and confronted the devil. Listen to this, Matthew chapter four and verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, after all of that time, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. I don't know what kind of bread, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm imagining that he was talking about some good bread. Okay, potentially sweet bread. Sometimes we say donut. (laughs) Now that definitely is a modern version. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now this goes back to Deuteronomy 8. And if you go back to Deuteronomy 8, you're going to go back to Exodus chapter 16, which was the story of the manna in the wilderness. What did it mean? When God spoke and said, every day you're to go out and to pick up this, what looks like coriander seed. And they said, it's manna, which means, what is it? They didn't even know what it was. It was something that would keep them alive. That's what it was. It was a flaky substance that they would have to pick up every day. And you know what they learned in the wilderness? They learned that while they didn't have food, they had God. And when God said, I will make it rain manna, and you can get up every day and pick it up, and that's all you got to do, they learned that what God said is truer than their physical ability to go out and get food for themselves. We do not need to go get food. What is physical, what we need is what God says. If God says that he can make it rain bread, ladies and gentlemen, God can give us bread. If God says that he can heal, he can heal. If God says something, then it is true for us. We're the ones that are following him, believing in him, putting our whole life into him. And this time, this five, six, seven months, however long this period of time is going to be, nothing has changed. But we got to recalibrate to who he is, to who we are, and what he's called us to do. We fast to hear God's voice more clearly because there's something that we need more than what we have physically lost in this moment of time. Let me just say this to you. And I am modernizing this interpretation Jesus is making it clear when the enemy tempted, he was hungry and he hadn't eaten anything. He didn't have food in that moment. But see, he chose to fast. In other words, I'm not just going to let this happen to me. I'm actually giving this moment to the Father. I'm fasting before the Father. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I am going to do what the Father tells me to do. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I need to have the same thing come out of our mouths right now. We are going to do what God tells us to do. And the hardest part is, are we going to be in unity about that? That is why we need to fast. Because every opinion may not line up, but there are some things that you and I have got to be in agreement about and got to be in unity about. And I believe that God can recalibrate us to have just that. You say, Ben, aren't we in unity? I think we are. But we're going to focus in and God's going to deposit something special, something precious. His blessing, his voice 
in our hearts. It's going to echo louder, and we need it to right now. We need this to happen right now. Fasting is all about focusing. It's abstaining from what fills our life, time, stomach, drawing near to God to hear from him, his voice, and obey his will for our lives. Look at this passage in Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. We see something happen through fasting and prayer in the early church. Now there were at Antioch in the church that were there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Listen to this. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, what was the context? Fasting and prayer. Fasting, prayer, and what? Worship. That's why we're doing a worship weekend next weekend, because God can do something. Let's just break the routine. Let's break our routine and let's just worship into his presence and listen to his voice together. That's what I'm leading us into. Let's worship into his presence. Haven't you noticed something special happening in worship? Something special is happening. What is it? God's touching us. God's ministering to our hearts. He's trying to help us understand that he's speaking to us right now. He's trying to speak to us right now. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they had finished. They laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Paul's first missionary journey. This this is the greatest apostle, perhaps, that ever walked the planet. His first missionary journey, being commissioned as an apostle to be sent out to bring the gospel to the Gentile world. That the context of that sending was prayer, worship, and fasting. What if God, I don't know what the world is doing, but what if what God wants to do right now is he wants to start to prepare our hearts to launch the greatest apostolic work that 2020 will ever see, and it's going to happen in the context of God's people fasting, praying, and worshiping. Come on, what if God is doing something and we will not be able to see it unless we posture our hearts before him in such a way, in a biblical way, we won't see it unless we begin to put ourselves before him in the way that the Bible says. This, this is what this is all about. I, I know the opinions are doing this right now. This is what I think. This is what I think. I don't even know what I think anymore. I think every day it's like, Should I even do that? I'm sorry. Number four, and finally, we fast to overcome the flesh. We're talking about breakthrough. It is interesting that the medium by which Adam and Eve fell into sin was food. Fruit, to be exact. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but... Don't eat from the tree. And the enemy said, hey, you should eat from the tree. Open their eyes. It was a delight to their eyes to give wisdom. The devil, when he came to Jesus, tempted him to turn stones into bread. Oh, man. Here we have food again. Our physical cravings, when they're not checked, will become our master, and they will tell us what to do. Your physical cravings have a lot of power. You know, let me tell you something. Gluttony is not about food. Greed is not about money. Adultery is not about sex. These are the mediums by which you and I can fall. Sometimes in our modern world, we think gluttony is where we eat too much food. Did you know that's not actually what biblical gluttony really is about? See, we think that in our workout world, right? We think that because we've got a Pilates place uh, every block. You know, we've got a, a gym every time we turn around. So we think that it's all about how much food we do or don't eat. Yeah, it's not good to eat too much food. All right. But that's not what gluttony is about. Gluttony is about having more food than you need and not thinking about people that don't have enough. You really think God's up there going, man, you shouldn't have had that extra gravy and turkey Thanksgiving. I know this is going to, right here, you're, you're not, you don't want to respond to me. No, seriously, I want, you to, I want you to actually go to the Bible and I want you to think through what gluttony really is. Look at James chapter 5. 
when he talks about you fattened yourself, you, you, you fattened yourself, you wanted in a day of extra and plenty. The, the correction was not about having a little extra turkey. The correction was that you had more than enough and you didn't think about anyone else. See, these are what the cravings lead us towards. It's not just about eating food. We see this, and I'll say it again. Gluttony is not about food. Greed is not about money. Adultery is not about sex. Everything is about our heart. Everything that God is after is about our heart. And everything that the world is after is after our heart. The excess, the more. Go ahead, take it all. You can have it all. No, you can't. You can choose. That's what you and I can do. We can choose. We cannot have it all. We can choose what we want or who we want. And friend, what we're talking about in fasting is we're talking about focusing on God. We're talking about streamlining other things. We're talking about having breakthrough over the flesh. We are at war and our selfishness unchecked will lead us into a life focused on ourselves. We are not just individuals. I know our world tries to get us to believe in individualism. That's what even happens at church. You know, you feel it, right? It's almost like in this moment, in this time, everybody can have their own views and their own thoughts or whatever, but what is the place of people, God's people coming together where individualism is broken and the family of God is truly family and what we do, we do together and what we say, we say together and we move together and we make disciples together and we preach the gospel together and we make a dent in federal way together because we are in this together and Jesus Christ is the head of the body. I've got to seek God like everyone in this room, but don't turn your eyes. Don't turn your head. Don't turn your heart. When we call a fast and a time of prayer, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I'm calling you to fast and pray with me. Please don't walk out and think that's great for them. We are them. And this is that moment. And it might get worse. But don't you know that God himself puts this burden on us right now? We gotta stop feeling guilty. We gotta stop pointing the finger. We gotta stop blaming each other. We gotta come together. I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but some of us have been in dysfunctional families and we know what it is, it's dysfunctional. And you walk around and you always don't feel something's quite right. You feel like something's not quite right. In the church, in our church, we've got a beautiful church. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, and verse 1 through 3, it says, Make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We've got efforts that we put forward to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit gives us unity in Christ, but we as the people of God preserve unity. It was interesting that the Holy Spirit gave me that verse when I came to Northwest Church. I didn't know how much I needed it. You say, Ben, why are you making a big deal out of this? No, I've talked to pastors all over the place. I'm concerned for their mental health. I'm concerned for the people of God. I'm concerned for their mental and their emotional health right now. I'm concerned for where people are. I'm concerned about people's view on church. And what's happening right now, what I call an ecclesiology, that we no longer need. Yeah, maybe we don't need buildings, but do we need the people? Yeah. The word church, called out ones, the congregation of the Lord. We're changing theology based on circumstances. It's happening all over the place right now. Ben, are you, are you making this a bigger deal? I'm not, I'm not. I'm actually toning it down. I could tell you things. I could say, I could stand here and say a lot of stuff. But what I'm doing is calling us to a place a prayer and fasting, because I know that even if it gets harder, what we've got to do is focus in together on what God is saying to us. So I need you to hear the Lord, and you need me to hear the Lord. We need to hear the Lord together. Let's press in and see what the Lord will do. Amen? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He'll take care of everything else. This is what God will do. Would you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. 
Let's just put out our hands, surrender to God. God, we pray in Jesus' name. I pray over the 5 p.m. service. I pray over the 9 and 11.30. I pray for everyone at home right now. I pray that you would fill our homes with your presence. I pray, God, that you would stir a hunger in our hearts for you and for your presence in our lives. I pray, God, that we would receive clarity of your voice right here and right now. So, Lord, I come to you and I just admit as the shepherd that I need you to shepherd all of us in this time. I'm not advocating my responsibility. I will be responsible. We will be responsible for what you say. But we ask that you would clarify what you're saying to us, that you would make some things just so clear that the next step for us is obedience. We ask for that accountability. I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring something fresh in us, and I sense it in worship. God, we need your manifest presence. We do. We need your manifest presence. We need your voice. We need to know your word in this season. Thank you, God. We worship you. I had a vision, and I saw somebody's foot, and uh, I saw that you were on crutches at one time, and you, you had injured your foot somehow, and uh, it hasn't healed properly. And we're supposed to pray over that. Something about your foot, it hasn't healed properly. Is that anybody in here? Uh, just raise your hand. Yeah, right there. Larry. Okay, so stretch out your hands toward our brother. Is that anybody else? Was there anybody else? Was that? We all got our hands up. I can't tell. If it's you, we're just going to pray over you right now. Father, we thank you for Larry. If that's you also online, sometimes one word can be uh, for multiple people. So we just pray over Larry right now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you for Larry. And we ask, Lord, that that foot would heal properly right now. In Jesus' name, we pray that whatever's wrong, that it would be made right. Come, Holy Spirit, release the gift of healing. That's what you do. We pray that you would make it all right. We just, just for a moment right there, thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, rest upon him right now. Yeah, regenerate, renew, restore. We thank you for our brother. We know he believes. We know he's contend for, he contends for healing. He, re, he sees and releases the healing power of the Lord. We, we now pray for him. And we ask that would happen for him through the body. Come, Holy Spirit. Just baptize him fresh. Wash over him, God, from head to toe. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Renew him in every way. Fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Strengthen him too right now, we pray. Strengthen him. God, make him the gatherer that he was born to be. Larry, I just see you just gathering people in. You just, you just keep gathering. Come on in. Come on in. I just see the Lord anointing you to gather. So we prophesy over you tonight that the Lord's gonna use you as a gatherer. Again and again and again. So any discouragement that would come, we just break that right now. We thank you for him. We thank you for the anointing on his life. Let it increase, Lord. Let it increase over him tonight so that he would gather for the glory of King Jesus. Thank you for your healing power over him and for anyone online as well, if that's you. And then I have a very sensitive word and I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands, but I wanna say it, pray it, and then we'll close. But um, as I was praying over this word of fasting, the Lord put in my heart that there has been a struggle with food and that it, it is to the point where it has become somewhat of an idol in your life. And it's embarrassing, right? Who wants to admit that in the room? I, I actually can relate. I've had that. I, I, you don't know that. I was 60 pounds heavier at one time, which isn't necessarily a weight problem, but I just, I, I had an idol with food. And you know what I had to do? I trained the whole prayer team and I talk about this in my book. One day, the Lord put it in my heart. He said, I want you to go up and get prayer for this and call it what it is. And I was like, I can't go up to the people I train to pray. He said, yes, you can, and you will. So I went up, and it was interesting because they started praying for me like they didn't know me at all. They went all Pentecostal. I was like, calm down, Karen. <laughs> no, really, they just... She, and, you know, and uh, I'll tell you what, something broke free in my heart and in my life through humbling myself. It, it wasn't about my weight and it wasn't about 
just food. It was, it was this comfort in my life that it's what, it's what it became. I'm not shaming anybody. I'm just telling you what I had to walk through. And I realized that God gave me grace to do something that I could never do. I've, I've struggled my weight since I was a kid. I've struggled with food since I was a kid. But something special happened when I came and humbled myself before somebody. And it was halfway embarrassing to do. But I just want to tell you, as I was praying over this, I felt like somebody has a food struggle. And I relate to that. I understand what that is. And it's become somewhat of an idol. And the Lord can set you free. The Lord can set you free. I don't know how far it goes, but God can set you free, whoever that is. So I'm just going to pray, okay? Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' mighty name that you have the power to do anything. And God, this is, sometimes this stuff can be very embarrassing. and We don't want to admit it, but Lord, we pray that you would just touch our hearts, touch our bodies, cause us to be honest with you so that even as we look at a fast and we're like, I can't do that. Lord, we can do that. But what we do is we do it for you. We do it to hear from you. We do it to know you more intimately. We do it to focus on you, not to twist your arm or to, make our, to, to be proud of ourselves just for self-denial. We do it to say no to our cravings, the cravings of our flesh, so our spirit would be strong and you would fill us. And so I pray that you would break any bondage that we're struggling with, that just we have not been able to get past. We've not been able to, we've not been able to deal with. And I pray, God, for your power to be made manifest tonight in that way, even in a sensitive area like this that's, that's hard to talk about sometimes. But we thank you that you'll do that and that you're good, and we love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. As you go, be strengthened by God's word. Be filled with God's spirit. Be mindful of God's voice. Be focused on his mission as we bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.